Ashley and Alex McGrath make the music of turtle doves. Thanks for joining the antidote for a talk. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, nice to hear from you. You two have to explain to me about naming yourselves turtle doves. I mean, you haven't actually named yourself after the bird, have you? (laughs) Yeah, um, a little bit. I would say there's something about the bird that that we were drawn to. But yeah, we didn't want it to be too much about the bird thing. And we also, you know, didn't want it to be too lovey-dovey and (laughs) and cute. Oh, come on. You can't be lovey-dovey? I mean, we're talking about you and your wife here. Yeah, I know. I think we did kind of just accept that that's what it is. And that's kind of part of the vibe of what we do. But, you know, there's also like a dark side to the turtle dove. And I think if anybody's interested, you know, look into like the symbolism of the turtle dove and kind of like the biblical, some of that stuff, you know, like there's some cool research trail. The turtle dove, when it came to sacrifices. Band name, like something that would be really cool or something, but... For one thing, it seems like every band name is taken. If, but then as we we just kept coming back to Turtle Dove, and it it talks about um like the song of the Turtle Dove is like mournful and gentle, quiet, and there was a lot about Turtle Doves that kind of resonate with like how me and Alex's personalities are together and like mm-hmm. our voices. So it just kind of was like, you know, as much as we'd like some punchy, cool band name, it's like this is how we are. Okay, so you were saying, like, so many people don't like that sound because it is a morbid bird. I mean, <laughs> turtle doves, well, because everybody would relate it to it. Say, a morning dove. Uh-huh. So you're the only ones on the planet that actually enjoy that bird. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. It, it kind of felt right to us. You know, once you start calling something by a name, it kind of changes you know, you don't always think about the name itself when you're thinking about a band. Um, so hopefully it, they hear our music and then they just think, oh, that's Turtle Doves, not... Because we'll get a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, like Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah, because of the Christmas song. Yeah, totally. So like, but usually we don't have too much trouble with the name so far. Yeah, you know, there's another aspect of Turtle Doves that's cool is that it sounds really good when people say it with an English accent. (laughs) Doesn't everything sound cool when you say it with an English accent? Yeah, it does sound better. And it just kind of like flows a little. It's a little like more elegant, I think. Yeah. It softens it. Here, like turtle is a little harsh. (laughs) Um, But yeah, in in the English accent, it's kind of like, Turtle dove. Yeah. Turtle dove. (laughs) Well, I'm going to take our listeners on a history lesson because, Alex, you and I met for a chat years ago, and that was when you and Ashley were part of the indie folk rock band, The Soil and the Sun. But it's been quite a few years since then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I remember that. I think we sat in your car outside the venue, and it might have been raining. We did, and we were sitting outside of this sort of really cool little vegan-type restaurant pseudo-stage area. That sounds about right. I think I might have had some vegan 
Oh shoot! What's it called? The, the fries with all the stuff. Poutine. On it. Poutine. <laughs> oh, poutine. Yeah. <laughs> Vegan poutine. I don't know how you would do that because it's supposed to have beef gravy with cheese curds. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's total blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> And it doesn't come from Quebec, so it's got to be wrong anyway. Yeah. (laughs) So after the end of The Soul in the Sun, you two began Turtle Doves, which is a two-piece. But now I've heard that you're adding a third member at the end of July. How is that going to change things? (laughs) Yes, we're adding a very small member whose name is yet to be named because they are currently three months from being born. (laughs) Oh, but you already gave the sex away, though, didn't you? No, actually. Yeah, not really. We're not finding out. We haven't found out. Oh, good for you, because you said he, and that's why I wondered. Oh, that's funny. I do that. I don't I didn't even realize I said that, but I do think of it as a boy. I really think it is a boy, but I'll be very surprised if it's a girl. So I must have slipped and said that. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, with you guys having two band members, that's got to be easier for you to create the music. I mean, The Soil and the Sun had seven members. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a lot. There was a lot going on. It took a lot of work and time to get things dialed in with that many people. But I loved that. That was like part of the fun for me. Well, of course, something else, a lot easier to fit two of you on stage instead of seven people. Yeah. Because I do remember at that Toronto show, and one of your band members almost fell off the stage. (laughs) Yeah, I I think so. It was probably Michael. I think he he was getting a little little rambunctious (laughs) on his bass guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been way different with the two of us and easier in a lot of ways and then sometimes and it took a while for us to kind of figure out our sound together after starting over totally and so the limitation of just having the sound of two people was interesting to adjust to well see that's what i'd always thought about it because turtle doves didn't duplicate the soil on the sun sound really it's completely different yeah yeah, we had these these ideas kind of stewing for a long time, and we tried a bunch of stuff out and finally kind of landed on something with this new EP and feel like, you know, we, we did release a couple EPs over the past few years, and those, to me, feel like searching for us, like us trying to figure out what we wanted to do and now this this newest one feels like this is like what we were trying to achieve well that's something i'm going to do tonight is that we're actually going to walk through a lot of your discography cool great well see the thing is your music has been described so many ways i've read ambient soft rock alternative electronic lo-fi and something called lunar wave Now, I once read that Lunar Wave is when rock music fell in love with ambient music and gave birth to ambient rock. And you know something? I really do think that does fit the sound of Turtle Doves. Yeah. So is there an actual genre of music called Lunar Wave? I I think that I just thought that was cool and wrote it down on our band camp. (laughs) 
because you've always liked to fit weird genre titles into your band sound. That's true. What was the crazy one that you had for the Saw in the Sun? <laughs> we used to call the Soil in the Sun New Mexican Space Music. <laughs> which just sounds completely ridiculous now. Um, but, you know, at the time we were just being silly and... At one of the first shows we ever played, someone came up to us and told us that it reminded them of space music, which was a thing, I think, in the 70s. There mm. was, yeah, like um, kind of a whole scene that was called space music. But we just thought that was great. And then at the time, we were sort of obsessed with the, the Zia, the symbol that's on the New Mexican state flag. Right. And so we just sort of mashed that together, called it New Mexican Space Music. <laughs> <laughs> but now you can just stick with Lunar Wave. Yeah. Yeah, we're just going to go keep that one in our back pocket. What's cool about you guys is that the Soul in the Sun ended up closing up in 2017, but it only took you a year to release Turtle Dove's debut. The rest is yet to come. Did you actually know what music direction you were wanting to take? Well, I think stylistically, we didn't really know what we wanted to do. But some of those songs were already written. So, you know, that was, we sort of had a head start. And then really, we just had these kind of interests musically. Like I was getting interested in uh, using cassette tapes and like making tape loops and kind of like that whole there's a whole sort of mm -hmm. like lo-fi like noise ambient uh cassette tape scene like especially on instagram and youtube there's like a, a whole like group of people that do that um oh yeah because that's the thing if you want to be cool now you produce your music on cassettes <laughs> it's true yeah i just like the sound of it and also you know having something physical to manipulate is just part of the fun just like makes the process more interesting if you've been making music on laptops for years so i would that was like a part of the things we were getting interested in we also wanted to make a band have like we wanted the project to be quieter so that we could kind of have it be more vocal forward mm-hmm yeah, we're both pretty soft singers, so that felt nice to start making music that we could sing over easily. <laughs> and it's true, because it is so soft, and it is so low-key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was that was one of the intentional things we set out to to do, but other than that, we were, we were kind of just trying stuff. And yeah, like I said before, I think those first couple EPs are like, us figuring it out. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that there really isn't much moshing at a Turtle Doves show. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, yeah, if if the soil in the sun was like a PBR, then Turtle Doves is like a nice red wine. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the songs of Turtle Doves is that it leaves room for interpretation. You know, I don't think you make things easy for your fans or for me. <laughs> so let me pull in my thoughts about To Be Sure from the debut. 
One verse says, you're under the hot lights and I'm in the back cracking jokes and laughing my head off. You know that I'm on your side, yeah, but you gotta fight off the dogs this time. Don't ever forget that I trust you so much. So here's a sideline question that comes out of that. Are there any limits to trust? Mm. Limits. Um, yeah, I'd say there probably are. I, I know that trust can be broken, that's for sure. So I guess it breaks at, at some point. I still am interested sometimes the, where he was at when he wrote the lyrics for that song. Well, when it comes to writing lyrics for me, I think I finally found a way to like explain how it works for me. And I've also talked to other songwriters, and I think I'm not alone in working this way. But for me, it's kind of like how a visual artist might make a collage. So, for example, I write down a lot of phrases, you know, like maybe throughout the day, some phrase will stand out to me and I'll write it down. And then when I go to write a song, I kind of like piece things together from my journals or my notes that like fit together and kind of string together like something that resembles a complete thought. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it's been interesting because I think when you kind of get in the zone and start flowing when you're doing it in that way, like the collage style, um, a lot of times you get like something written down, like a, get to the end of the song and it actually takes on a meaning that you didn't expect it to take on. That's been a cool process for me. So, you know, that line is like, I didn't set out to write something that had a particular meaning, but then by the time I was done with that song, it clicked and it made sense and it actually took on a meaning that um, was actually significant for me at that time in life too. So that's strange. It feels like there might be like other forces at work. Then tell me about the songwriting process. Which is coming first? Is it the words or is it the music? Yeah, it's been interesting. So in the soil and the sun, Alex was the songwriter, really, and then we'd kind of add our parts. And then with Turtle Doves, I've began writing some of the songs, and me and Alex both kind of experience that process differently. I think for me, it often comes like where I'm playing and I get in a really like solitude place, and it sort of comes at once um the words often come with the song like kind of sporadically and then i'll feel like i really like that initial the intuition of that and then for alex i feel like it's more of like a longer with like a whittling away of things with him like how he described the collage so and he really helps me sometimes to kind of whittle down the words also so i feel like usually would you say, Alex, like you usually find the music first and then the words come after that? I think for me, it's usually the music first. Yeah, like usually starts with something that has the right feeling on the guitar. That's, that's usually my starting point. Mm -hmm. You make it sound as if songwriting isn't an easy thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's work, but it's worth it.
That's always the question. Is it too much work? <laughs> mm, no, I, I don't yeah. think so. It, you know, it's work, but it's not like the kind of work that is going to break your back. <laughs> it's like the type of work that hiking up a mountain is work. It's like so beautiful and adventurous and like rewarding that it's better than having not gone on that trail in the first place, you know. It's funny that you brought up about the hiking because I had noticed that on your Facebook page. You guys are really into hiking. Like you're not doing the the wimpy stuff that I go out and do every day. <laughs> we do really love hiking. Yeah. Okay, the best place you've ever been to hiking. Oh, I mean, I think that's easy for us is um, Nepal. You went hiking in Nepal. <laughs> you didn't get in your Subaru to just drive there. That's a major <laughs> deal. <laughs> yeah, we actually, when we ended Soy on the Sun, uh, we went for the first time about five years ago or so. Um, just kind of on a whim, we went to India for a month. And then before our trip, we realized, oh, Nepal is just right there. And there's some really amazing mountains there <laughs> and called the Himalayas. So then we spent a month in Nepal on a trek um, then that really kind of changed our lives. And, and then last year, a year ago, exactly, we went and did um, a trek called the Three Passes Trek in Nepal and went to Everest Base Camp. And so we spent a month last May doing another trek in Nepal. You guys are way too hardcore <laughs> <laughs> doing stuff like that. Okay, that's cool. I'm jealous, but I'm not envious. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's definitely a challenge, but I also think it's the kind of thing where anybody could do it if they were determined. And if they weren't sensitive to altitude. That's, that is the thing. Like, <laughs> you never know how it's going to hit you. So, Yeah, I was going to ask that. How long did it take you to acclimatize? We would take, so on the trek we did a year ago, there are a few days that you plan out to acclimatize to certain elevations. So you'd take a day off and you'd still actually hike on that day because you want to hike higher than you sleep. So then we'd didn't really feel like a day off because you'd be pushing yourself but then you sleep at a lower elevation and then it kind of gets your body used to that high elevation because cincinnati definitely doesn't have a high elevation <laughs> no it's like zero <laughs> it's sea level basically <laughs> yeah we're we're kind of in a valley here that was a big change yeah the view isn't quite the same from the valley as the mountaintop yeah. <laughs> for sure Okay, so we were getting way off track there, weren't we? <laughs> Let's head into your follow-up. That was the Pillars of the Earth released in 2020. So I'm curious, like, is there any relationship to the book Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett? No. No, I, I haven't heard of that book, actually. Um, we so. should read it. <laughs> yeah, I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was his bestseller. Oh, you know what? I should back up for a second, because actually only a couple months before Pillars of the Earth, you two brought out a short two-track EP called Lost Together. Why wouldn't you have included those songs in Pillars of the Earth? Yeah, that's a deep cut right there. Yeah. I didn't know anybody saw that one. 
we recorded those songs, those two songs, basically the winter of 2016, 2017, when we ended Sorrow on the Sun. And those were kind of the first couple songs I wrote. And Alex recorded them. We were staying at my parents' farm and we just recorded them. So then a couple years later, Alex just, I think, remixed them and made them sound a little better. And we kind of released them as yeah. Turtle does. Well, yeah. And it was also like during all the COVID stuff. And so it felt like a nice time to kind of have a project to work on and, and put something out send out some 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 beauty into the world yeah felt important (laughs) yeah that was something that i noticed because it released on march 21st so that was just days after the world was heading into the first lockdown that's true so that wasn't a coincidence no i don't think so yeah it was i remember feeling like that we wanted to release it because of like what was going on at that time so was it more of a help for you or for the listener? I think it was more of just a get, like, let's give these songs to whoever wants to listen to them. Like, it, yeah, it definitely wasn't, like, a good time to be releasing music by any means. It just was, like, let's let's give these to people. Yeah, more for the listener. Well, then how did the two of you manage getting through COVID? We actually both worked um, the whole time we were, we were working at a restaurant at the time, actually a vegan restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> That's really great. A juice shop here, and I was making really great desserts. Alex was making juice del- and like driving the delivery truck, and we just never closed during COVID. Um, I think because I felt like this is such healthy, good food, and we got to keep people healthy, you know? So, sure. Um, So we didn't stop working, and then we both got really great job opportunities. Like Alex started working for a friend doing tile work, um, like contracting work. And then I got this job for my friend's grandmother um, that we called the dream job because I got paid really well to just sleep at her house in case she needed something in the night. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think she needed something like twice in about a year. (laughs) So it was a really great job. I just slept. And that really opened up my time creatively. And so really, we we kind of came out moderately unscathed compared to a lot of people. And we felt really grateful to kind of have the time we had and the community we had. It really brought us through in a way that we could honestly say it was a good couple years of our lives, you know. Except that you and here, we're getting really personal because we now we find out that you and Alex were sleeping apart. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) For four nights a week, actually. (laughs) But the money was so good, it it was worth it. (laughs) And we had been married, you know, 10 years by that point. So we found other times to be together. (laughs) Well, you got to tell me, would you ever be interested in doing music full time as a paying gig? Definitely. Because some people don't want that. They like it. It's a sideline, but they like that dependability of a regular job yeah when we first moved to cincinnati i kind of took a deep dive into like trying to get into doing commercial music license you know like licensing for commercials and oh, yeah 
movie trailers and stuff like that. It's not that it wasn't going very well, but it, I actually wanted to get a job because I felt like it was kind of giving me burnout um, creatively. Like I would, I would work on that all day and then I wouldn't want to work on, you know, our own music at the end of the day. So yeah, I actually, I can resonate with that. Like, like I think I'd rather just work at a restaurant and then save the creative energy for, you know, not commercial stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I get you there. Well, you have to tell me about you guys. Is there a preference for turtle doves? Like, is it playing shows or do you just prefer to spend time in the studio? That's a good question. We talk about that often. I feel like more and more we really love recording so much, but then it really depends. Some shows, when you play a show where you really connect with people personally and it gives you energy for a lot of days after that, and then some shows you play that, you know, kind of suck your energy dry. So so shows are just kind of more like, there's. it's like you're on the ocean. There's like highs and lows and waves and storms and stuff. So that's kind of the whole foundation of our life together since, you know, 12 years ago was touring and playing shows. So when we are playing shows, there's this part of us that wakes up like, oh yeah, this is, this is the way life is supposed to feel. So we really do love playing shows so much and touring, but we also really love recording and kind of being in that solitude space too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think of them as kind of two separate art forms. Like the Soil and the Sun, for example, I feel like was very much a live band. And totally. Yeah, and like I don't even know if we ever really captured it on any of our records. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the touring and playing shows was that was kind of where the magic was for us. Mm-hmm. And I think now it's different with the two of us. Um, playing shows is not as powerful in the same way that the seven piece band was mm-hmm. so we don't like have the same impact when we just roll up to a, a bar and mm-hmm. it's just a two a quiet two piece as opposed to like you know when we would show up with the band we would just kind of take over <laughs> yeah we were loud enough that it just takes over the space yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know sometimes we play shows that are really suited to our sound and it's really fulfilling and feels like we're really able to connect with people in a way that the soil and the sun never was able to do Mm -hmm. Um, because with your style being so subdued you want a really intimate setting for the band to play in yeah sure exactly and it's pretty dynamic um turtle does is pretty dynamic like i play synth bass and we have drum machine stuff and so, so there's moments that are so quiet and intimate and there's moments that get big, but it's being in a space that allows for that, like there's sort of a, a need for there to be a listening environment. So shows that are like that are really magical. And then some of the loud crowded bar shows feel like, what are we even doing here? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, we're always like, oh man, we need to just play like universities with beautiful auditoriums you know that would be or some house shows that we play are great and just places that are really good listening sometimes we talk about playing in caves and stuff like that like wouldn't that be cool 
you know, playing in places that are just naturally resonant and like, yeah. So we love playing in any, anywhere that's not just the typical bar, I guess. So you're just going to have to hunt out some caves in Nepal. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's a free show, but you have to get there somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I want to circle back to Pillars of the Earth, and it includes one of my favorites from Turtle Doves. A verse of Don't Turn the Light On Yet says, In the morning calm, in the neon red, you remember it all. It's stuck in your head. The blinds are drawn and the concrete wet. Yeah, the day is gone, but don't turn the light on yet. You're telling a sad story with that one. You think it's sad? I I don't feel too sad about it, but it is nostalgic. And I think nostalgia, you know, definitely has a heavy dose of sadness in there. It's like a memory that was like a heavy time you don't necessarily feel sad about it, but, but like, maybe I'm thinking more melancholic. Yeah. 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 yeah I think that's, sure. that's a good word for it for sure. Well, some of your songs touch on faith and you do have a track where you made that really obvious, which was mortal sorrow. Of course I'm saying mm-hmm. it's obvious, but I guess it really isn't because the thing <laughs> is, if you don't have the lyrics in front of you, you'd never recognize what's being said. Mm. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't even know if that's really a song but it was just like a little audio experiment that i did that and i thought i thought it was cool and i thought thematically it fit with the ep and was kind of like a nice introduction into pillars which is the next song mm-hmm. and it was also the shortest thing you ever recorded what is it just <laughs> yeah. just over a minute long yeah <laughs> Yeah, so it was really powerful. The this guy named Chuck Missler, and he talked about the meanings of the names from Adam to Noah. Yeah, it's like dabbling in Bible code kind of stuff, but it's not quite. It's just not quite yeah. there. But there's some really interesting things sort of embedded in the genealogies mm-hmm. in the Bible um, that sort of blew my mind. Like the meanings of the names that are listed make up a a sentence, essentially, or like spell out a message. Yeah. So Adam's name means man. And then his son, um, you know, his son Seth. Yeah, means appointed. So then the whole phrase reads, man appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come. What was the last one? Bringing rest. Bringing rest. Bringing the despairing comfort. That's what it is, yeah. Now I've got it. Yeah. So it was really powerful, and we just loved loved that. So sneak it into a song, you know? Yeah, I do like to put little Easter eggs in there, I guess. And But it's cool that you brought it up. I don't think anyone else has really even mentioned that to us. <laughs> so you said that was the prelude to Pillars which Mm -hmm. is, you are the movement, you are the wind that rushes through the room that I'm in. Is that sharing about faith, or is that just another message that just came to you? Yeah, that song, I would say, is another one of those that was written in kind of the collage style. So here's kind of another way that 
words come to me that I think is pretty common for songwriters is like if you're just playing the chords or whatever and kind of humming along or like trying to come up with a melody and sometimes you, you just start singing like vowel sounds mm-hmm. and every once in a while words just kind of come out that make sense and that was one of those times actually for me but it isn't just nonsense it actually does connect yeah yeah it's really it's it feels special when that happens and like the more i thought about it i felt like it connected to the rest of the song and i always had like the imagery of moses Mm-hmm. Um, hiding in the cleft of the rock and like mm-hmm. in the presence of God rushing past him. Because <laughs> it reminds you of Nepal again. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that in. <laughs> yeah, there, there's always going to be mountain symbolism, I think, in our songs. Yeah, definitely. I've been going all over the place here tonight, but <laughs> so let me bring this back on track. Because really, it's time for us to get into the new Turtle Doves release, Secret Weapon. You must be excited by that. Yeah. Yeah, it feels good. It feels good to have it out. It was kind of a long process of writing and recording it. Um, So it is definitely exciting to have it finally out and about. And as you've mentioned already, that really it's got a bit of a style change from your previous EPs. You know, there's really not much lo-fi. I find it sound it's more up front and the vocals are maybe a little less dreamy sounding. Yeah, that that's definitely something we were trying to accomplish with this new EP is we wanted the vocals to be more up front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we wanted it to feel intimate. And actually, the first batch of songs, this EP, is kind of our more full sounding songs and then we're going to release the next ep starting next month we'll start releasing singles off of that and those songs are a lot more kind of intimate and close so i think we wanted to capture more of our voices and the instruments in a simple way and we were able to do that i think the other two eps were more lo-fi sort of out of necessity too with the gear we've had and Mm -hmm the spaces we've been able to record in. So as we've kind of been able to get some more microphones and get some better quality stuff, it's a little, there's some, we love lo-fi, but also a lot of it was lo-fi out of necessity too. So, (laughs) (laughs) But I am with you. I adore lo-fi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's something special that happens when you just work with whatever you have something else about this release is that it's just as poetic as anything else that you've done i mean come on is a great example of that dig it up your spirit speak you are mighty in your silence more dangerous than violence bigger than giants because deep down you know it's been this way for ages the stillness and the chaos the storms around you raging It really makes Mm. you wonder if you'd consider yourself more of a poet than a songwriter. (laughs) (laughs) And I am serious by that. That's cool. Yeah. I I think about that sometimes. Um, Yeah. I don't want to get too off topic, but like I did just recently kind of like look into the McGrath family name. Mm -hmm. It was cool. It was kind of eye opening because like the McGrath 
family was the poet class and, and like this you know certain section of ireland they were like the royal poets to the royal family you know like they were the, mm-hmm. it was like a class almost or yeah i don't i don't know too much about the history of the irish people but like when i heard that they were like the poets and storytellers um to the royal family so it's just simply genetic <laughs> you had no option <laughs> Well, it is interesting with songwriting. I mean, I think a lot of songs we love, I think, do have that poetic element. That song, Come On, is probably the first time Ashley and I really have written a song together. So that that's like a special one for us because it started with her playing those chords and singing mm-hmm. kind of like parts of that first verse. Mm-hmm. And then I got all excited and was like, oh, I, you know, like I'm hearing like this other stuff and like it could be, we could go down this path. And then mm-hmm. we, we kind of sat down and like wrote the rest of the words together. You know, believe it or not, after 12 <laughs> years of marriage, that hasn't really happened before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was due to happen. Yeah. yeah. So when you were writing The Secret Weapon EP, were you hoping to give it a theme or do you really see this as a collection of songs? Yeah, I don't think we were looking for a specific theme as far as the songs went. It was just the songs that were coming to us at that specific time. And um, there were some common themes that kept arising throughout the songs. But it's kind of like, I think the more we try to keep recording and keep writing together, the more we're catching up with our current life you know so those songs were kind of a period of time and then we wanted to document them and by the time you record them and release them it's like uh, just this picture in time but it's already passed for the artist you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think we saw themes arise but it's just kind of like how themes arise in your life around you you know you're always seeing things kind of pop out Um, and things that you're learning, things that you're going through, things that are around you. So I think those themes, the common themes are just probably from living life together in the time period we were in. Yeah, it's actually, you know, it's kind of interesting to be like doing this interview because we haven't really, I don't think we've done any interviews about the EP. Mm -mm. So you're kind of forcing us in a way to like revisit where our heads were at. (laughs) at that time and it's kind of it's kind of nice because like ashley said that was probably you know we probably wrote wrote and recorded the songs like two years ago at this Mm -hmm. point yeah so now we're kind of like in a different headspace but and and looking back on it from where we are now i do see like that there are some themes but at the time i would say we didn't intentionally set out to Mm -hmm. have a theme or like a concept Definitely. But, but now now yeah like looking in hindsight it's like i can pick out some things that you know are sort of hallmarks of where our heads were at at the time yeah well talking about looking back <laughs> one of your songs the title track secret weapon that takes me back because it has almost this 90s vibe Ooh, cool yeah nailed it 
we're from that time period. Like our, our childhood was the nineties and early two thousands. So I think there's part of that sound that is just always going to be in us. Yeah. I, I was like one of the sonic things that like we made part of like a goal, like what, what we wanted the EP to sound like was having that acoustic guitar be sort of like the focal point of a rock song. Mm-hmm. Kind of like it's like a Nirvana thing. Yeah. Or jars of clay. <laughs> <laughs> Since you're kids of the nineties, who was it that you think influenced you most from that era? Hmm. Wow. I mean, it's funny because my musical upbringing was church music and mm-hmm. country music. <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> All I was really exposed to, um, and just kind of the pop, whatever pop hits of the time, you know, that any kid was getting exposed to just from listening to the radio. So, so I think a lot for me, a lot of melodic stuff, I feel like I have tendencies from like some of my favorite soulful, like country songs or or a lot of like, I mean, there were a lot of great nineties, like songs in the church and kind of haunting reverent like beautiful songs i grew up with mm-hmm. that still really inform like i think the way those songs made me feel inform the way i like want to feel when i'm making a song i guess so what about you alex at that time for me i was listening to like primarily alternative christian music you know like i was homeschooled from like second grade up to high school so that would have been that time period for me and my mom was also going through like a pretty conservative phase um in the 90s and (laughs) we didn't listen to secular music like hardly at all so i was listening to like a lot of that like alternative christian stuff which is i think a lot of it holds up there was there is a cool thing happening in christian music in the 90s well there's <laughs> lots of cool stuff happening back then i think yeah. ashley mentioned jars of clay yeah at least their yeah. debut you know that was fabulous everything else they did was was pathetic but you know again that's my opinion <laughs> oh but yeah yeah had- i don't want to ruffle too many feathers but i i think that like christian pop music has taken the a turn for the world. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And I've always referred to the 90s as the creative era. Yeah. I, I think about that a lot because now we're so, um, with the internet, we've become so self-aware and so self-conscious. And um, there's like this purity that was going on at that time where you could kind of, the sky was the limit creatively and people were trying weird things and not worrying about where it fit or if it made sense and so yeah i totally agree with that and also like because of the technological limitations at the time there even though people were trying like we're getting pretty experimental even in the christian music scene Mm -hmm. there was like this organic element to it that you couldn't escape because that's like what was available at that time yeah Cool. So, like, there is a rawness to everything that was being produced in the 90s that I think people are kind of wanting to hear that again. And I think that's why there's this new, like, a 90s comeback wave happening. Mm-hmm. 
would turtle doves fit back into the 90s music era? You know, I'd hope the 90s music era would have us. 90s, if you're listening, (laughs) please accept us. (laughs) (laughs) You can just look for the portal on the trail. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, here's something else I'd like to know. Did Secret Weapon turn out just the way you'd hoped? Absolutely not. (laughs) I don't think it ever will. It never does. So would you take the same album or EP and just remake it and remake it and remake it? I could do that. And that's why Ashley is the perfect partner for me, because she (laughs) stops me from doing that. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of times I feel like this sense of there's this like magical element to it, to something we're working on. And then I feel like Alex will then hole up for like two more days and listen to this over and over again. And it'll start shifting away from this feeling that I'm feeling of excitement about it. So sometimes I'm like, just stop, let's just keep it there. And, but I think if he could stop time, he'd probably redo everything maybe five times and which is really great. And I, I, we are perfect partnership because of that. Like, I think he really is good at taking that time sitting with something And I'm more like, I like the initial intuitiveness of something, but it might actually need a lot more time. But I just kind of, I don't know, I I just want to move on or something, or I want to capture the initial thing and then just move to the next thing that feels kind of spontaneous or like this rawness, I guess. So I do think both of us combined kind of create a balance there. So bringing in another song from Secret Weapon, your sound changes drastically on Color of Your Love. I mean, Mm -hmm. that song is so stripped down. But I think really what I want to hear about is that song title, because I never would have thought about describing love as a color. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think about love as a color sometimes. I mean, obviously I did at least one time when I wrote those words down. (laughs) <laughs> what color is ashley <laughs> it's a warm it's warm it's like a it's like a warm sort of orangish glow what about you ashley <laughs> i haven't really even thought about it in that way i think when i think of that lyric i think of like the quality and the tone of your lot like the everything about your love sort of being involved in the word color. So not necessarily a color, but yeah, I think, I think of warmth and glowing too, like candle, like a candle flickering the orange of fire. I guess in music, like we, maybe it's just us or I think other people use colors to describe musical feelings. So yeah, I almost like, Kind of like what Ashley's saying, I almost didn't think of it literally as a color, more like a feeling. Yeah. Well, hey, let's put a real spin on this. What color would you give to Secret Weapon? Ooh, the EP, you mean? Mm Mm-hmm. How about Ashley and I both think of it in our heads, and then we'll count to three and say it at the same time and see if it's... (laughs) We'll see if it's intelligible. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's do it. Okay, yeah. I'm ready. Okay, one, two, three. 
Brown. <laughs> I said red. Alex said brown. But you know, brown is red. Perfect. Yeah. Put them together and it's kind of like a brick red, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I really suppose there's no need to ask about your future plans because your baby is your next scheduled release. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, actually, we have a single coming out in a month, so so I was wrong about it being the next release. So we have a couple of singles coming out before the baby's born, but then that's our more you know significant release coming up is that <laughs> we're having our first baby. And you said it's one single per month. Yeah, um, June, July, and August, and then we'll release the last two songs of that EP after that. So that EP is going to be called Two Dreams. Nice. And we've got that to look forward to. Yeah. Well, you know what? I've kept you two forever. <laughs> and I guess really it's time to give you a break. I got to thank you for coming to the antidote to tell us about Turtle Doves. Yeah, thanks for yeah. having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's good to reconnect with you.